Welcome to the Landmark Church Weekly Podcast. Amen. This morning, um, I, I, last Sunday, we did online, and I announced that we were doing a series called Love is a Verb. But I, I want you to know we are a spirit-led church, and when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says do something different, speaks to me and says do something different, um, I say yes, sir. And so we're going a different direction this morning. If you'll stand this morning with me, I want to talk to you from this topic. This is just kind of a one sermon, um, a standalone sermon, but I want to preach to you from this topic. You will see the salvation of God. You will see the salvation of God. If you'll turn to Mark chapter 1, or actually turn to Exodus chapter 14, hold your finger there, and turn to Mark chapter 1, we're going to read two different passages of Scripture. Are you with me this morning awake? I know it's cold outside, but I need your help this morning. I believe some of you walked in here with a burden, and you're going to leave here encouraged today. And if you're believing that for your own life, can you say amen? Amen. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately... Coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then the voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Exodus chapter 14, beginning with verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we were told in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Father, we thank you for your word today. Your word encourages us and strengthens us. And Father, today as we share around the table of God, just feasting on, on who you are, we can taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, I pray for a fresh anointing today to be upon your word, to be able to speak forth your words that can change our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Turn around look at somebody and say, I'm glad I get to sit by you and you may be seated this morning. Have you ever really wanted something, but when you got it, it wasn't exactly what you had wanted or what you thought it was going to be. 
This happens a lot online. Have you ever bought something online and you get it in and you think, this is not exactly what the pictures look like. When Sarah and I were getting married, we were getting ready for our reception and she wanted to have a um, marshmallow, like a s'more bar, where you go up and you have these canisters with flames and you have these little shish kebab sticks is what I call them, I don't know the technical name, and you put the marshmallow on there and you move it around and you warm it up and you get it ready and then you make your own s'mores. So she was ordering everything, getting ready for this. One day, a package comes in the mail that's kind of big from Amazon. And she asked me before we opened it, she goes, did you order a rifle or something? And I'm like, no, I mean, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. She opened it up and instead of having little shish kebab sticks, she had accidentally ordered three foot long sticks. So people were going to have to stand, you know, this is before social distancing, it worked great now. They were going to have to stand far away and stand out with this long stick uh, for this thing. It wasn't exactly what she had thought it was going to be. The children of Israel find themselves in that place. They're leaving Egypt and they got freedom, but all of a sudden they're up against the Red Sea and freedom doesn't look like what they think freedom is going to look like. They're expecting just to be carefree and everything's going to be good. And now they find themselves up against the enemy and the enemy is bearing down on them. And in their mind, they, they begin to wonder what's going on. They tell Moses, did you bring us out here to die? Like we could have died in Egypt. I mean, I know we're working for somebody and we're slaves, but at least we were alive. I mean, now we're stuck here and Pharaoh's fixing to kill us. This doesn't look like what I think this is going to look like. And the truth is about life, sometimes life doesn't come out and turn out like we think it's going to look like. Life doesn't always happen exactly like we think it's going to happen. And there are times that we all go through difficult times. And here's the thing, if God delivers you from something and, and gives you freedom from something, you have to walk that deliverance out and you have to walk that freedom out. You see, God doesn't go around and just knock things out of your hands. I wish he did, right? I wish God would knock the fork out of my hand sometimes when I got a piece of cake on the end of it. I wish God would come by and slap that Big Mac out of my hand and say, no, sir, or whatever it is. If God delivers you from something, you have to walk that out every single day. You can say, yes, God delivered me, but you've got to make a decision every day to walk out that freedom. And here are the children of Israel. They're free, but they act like they don't have to do anything, and that's not true. The truth is you still have to walk this out, and then the thing is they are fixing to go into a wilderness season. The truth is, every single one of us goes through wilderness times. Wilderness times are not easy. And I want to tell you this morning, I, the message will get more encouraging, I promise. But here's the thing. I want to tell you this morning that if you know God long enough, you are going through, go through seasons and times in your life that are a wilderness journey. And let me mess with your theology a little bit. Not only will you go through wilderness times, but God will send you through wilderness times. The Bible says Jesus is baptized, and we'll get to the baptism in just a moment, but he's baptized, and he comes up out of the water, and immediately the heavens part, and the Father speaks and says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, and immediately the Bible says he goes into the wilderness, but it doesn't say it that way. It says immediately he is driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. He is immediately sent by the Spirit into the wilderness. I believe God allows every single one of us, his sons and 
and daughters, he sends us into wilderness times because the wilderness is meant to shape us. The wilderness is meant to refine us. The wilderness, even though it's difficult, it is meant to ultimately strengthen us so that we can go through other things with God and God sends us into the wilderness and says, I know it's difficult, but the Bible says Jesus for 40 days he fought the devil. For 40 days he fought temptation and the enemy. But the Bible says that the angels ministered to him. I believe when we go through wilderness times, it is difficult, it is a fight, but I want you to know that God is at work and he will send his ministering angels, he will send people to you that will speak a word of encouragement to your life to know I may be in a wilderness season, but I can get out of this thing, I can make it through, and I am going to get on the other side. Can you say amen this morning? Here's the thing about Jesus. I love this. Think about what happens. The children of Israel, they go through the Red Sea, but then they get in the wilderness. And they go from the wilderness into the Jordan River into the Promised Land. They go from the wilderness through the Jordan into the Promised Land. Fast forward thousands of years. Here's Jesus. Jesus is in the Promised Land. And what does he do? He goes through the Jordan, the same Jordan River they went through, and he goes into the wilderness. He does backwards what they did. They went from the wilderness through the Jordan into the promised land. Jesus leaves the promised land, goes through the Jordan into the wilderness, and he overcomes the wilderness. They're there 40 years. He's there 40 days. There's a reason for that. And the reason Jesus does that is because he overcomes the wilderness. Not so that we can't, we don't have to go through the wilderness. He overcomes the wilderness so that we can overcome the wilderness as well. That his overcoming the wilderness makes our obedience possible. Because he overcame the wilderness now we can obey him and live the life we're called to live and we can overcome the wilderness as well. Amen? It's the same thing about his baptism. This week I asked this question. I thought about this. never thought about this before. And I've been to Bible college and I'm sure it was brought up but I don't remember it. Why did Jesus need to get baptized? He's Jesus. He's perfect. I understand why we get baptized. We are baptized, and I I believe it is a symbolic understanding of what Christ has done for us. But I believe it also is more than symbolic. I believe that in that moment of baptism, I believe that really if you allow it to happen, I believe it can be a transformational thing in your life where you remember, I went under the water. And just like Jesus went into the earth and three days later he came up, I went under the water, but I am coming up to newness of life. And we understand the importance of baptism for us, that it is something that we remember. It is a time that we are reminded of what Christ has done for us and everything that he's done. And we're all also saying publicly, I am following Jesus, that I am going after him. I am publicly letting everybody know that I am a disciple of his and I am following him. I get why we get baptized. Why Jesus? He was righteous. He was good. He didn't have to do that, did he? But here's what happens in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus and John the Baptist are going back and forth about baptizing. And Jesus says, you need to baptize me. And John the Baptist said, man, I can't, I'm not even worthy to tie your shoe. Unlatch the the sandal. That's the modern term of, or that term of tying your shoe. I'm not even good enough to tie your shoe, Jesus. What do you mean? And Jesus says this in Matthew 3. Listen to this. He says, you must baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill 
all righteousness. In other words, I believe what Jesus was saying, don't misunderstand me, he was the sinless, perfect son of God. And even in his humanity, he was sinless, so don't misunderstand me. But I believe what he was saying is, I am going to fully embrace my humanity in this moment, and I'm expecting every person to go through baptism. I want them to go through baptism, and because of that, I want to do the same thing to show them the way to go. And then when I get out of this, I'm going to show them the way to go because I'm going to go through the wilderness, and I'm going to defeat the enemy, and I'm going to show them the way to go. But first, I'm going to be baptized. And in that moment, he is fulfilling all righteousness. Why? So that we could do it. Not so we don't have to. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something that is hard to hear this morning, but we in the American church have made the gospel way too easy. We made it way too easy. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. God loves you and he cares about you right where you're at right now. But we act like God demands nothing of us. We act like God expects nothing of us. That is not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus came and overcame sin so that I could overcome sin. Not so I can just sit there and say, well, I can't help it. I just mess up all the time. I'm sorry. I'm glad God loves me. No, he came to overcome sin so that you could overcome sin. He came and was baptized and fulfilled all righteousness, not so that you don't have to, but so that you could fulfill all righteousness. I know it's not just about your own works, but listen to me. I believe we are saved so that we can live the life God has called us to live. And I believe the church needs to understand we need to be called back to the life of living and expecting to live the life God has called us to live in. Amen? Thank you, three of you. I know it's hard to hear, but that's the truth. The truth is Jesus says, I'm going to fulfill all righteousness, and then you can too. Not because we are doing it, but we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus overcome temptation? The Bible says this when he's baptized, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, landed on him. And John says it stayed on him. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, overcame temptation and sin. He didn't do it in his own strength. I know he's God, but listen, he was all he was fully man. And in his humanity, he was hungry. One of the craziest verses of the Bible to me says, after 40 days, Jesus fasted, and he was hungry. Well, duh. 40 days of no food, you think. 40 minutes of no food, and I'm hungry. Can you imagine 40 days? But how does Jesus overcome the temptation? He does it not in his own strength. He does it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus humble himself to a place to rely on the Holy Spirit To get him through. You know why? Because he wanted to show us what to do. That that is the exact same way we do it. We do it as we humble ourselves and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Could Jesus have done it in his own strength? You bet he's God. But he chose not to. The Bible says in Philippians 2, he laid aside those attributes. And he laid them aside and he took on the form of a servant. Why? So that he could live this life and he could say, you know what? I did it and I did it so that you can have the strength and the power to do it as well. And today I want you to know that even though you may be in a wilderness time, that Jesus overcame so that you could too. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean life isn't hard and it's not difficult. But what it means is I have a friend, I have a helper, I have a comforter that is close to me and he sticks with me and he goes alongside me and everywhere I go, he is with me. So no matter what I go through, I can make it. Can you say amen and help me this morning? So maybe you feel like the children of Israel, their back was against the wall. Literally, a sea can't go any further. My mama never could swim. My grandma used to tell her, you can drown in a spoon of water. 
but she never learned to swim. So when I was two years old, she made me get swimming lessons because she said, I don't want you to not be able to swim. So, um, <laughs> Sorry, I just had a funny story come to my mind. I feel like I need to say it now. This is going to be online for a long time. But anyway, okay, I'll just, I, I feel like I have to say it has nothing to do with it. It's just a random rabbit, but I'm going to chase it, okay? My swimming teacher, I saw her later on in life, like I was like six or seven, and she's walking by. It, we're in town, and I'm walking by her, and she waves. My mom was always big on us being kind to, you know, talking to everybody. And she said, Justin, why did you act like you didn't know her? You know, she's your swimming teacher. And, I, and my response, I was a little kid. I said, I didn't recognize her with her clothes on. That was my response. <laughs> <laughs> that was my response. So anyway, sorry. That, that, thought, that story just popped in my head when I said swimming lessons. But, but, but they're, they're against the Red Sea, and they're wondering how I can't swim over this. I won't be able to do it. What am I going to do? And in that moment, instead of thinking God brought us out, I mean, think about all God did in the ten plagues to bring them out of Egypt. And God didn't just bring them out normally. The Bible says when they left, they were loaded with all of the treasures of Egypt. When God brought them out, he brought them out better than when they went in. Listen to me. I want you to know today, when God brings you out of something, he knows what he's doing, and he will bring you out even better than when you went into that situation. Amen? And so here, they, 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 they come out of Egypt, and God did all these miracles. I mean, frogs appearing, and, and locusts, and all these things, and all these amazing things that, that they saw in front of them. But they still did not trust. And in that moment, their backs are against the wall. And they're wondering, what am I going to do? How are we going to overcome this? How am I going to get through this? And in that moment, Moses, listen again what he says to them. Do not be afraid. Stand still. Don't go crazy. Here's the problem. Most of us try to fix our problems ourselves. We're always trying to fix our own problems. We're running around like chickens with our head cut off, going crazy, just trying to fix everything. And God, Moses says in that moment to them, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He's going to do it before you. And the Egyptians that you're after right here, guess what? They're coming after you. After today, you will see them no more. The, the other day, we were doing a little Bible trivia in the office, and we were talking, and, and the question had to do with armies coming into Israel. And you know, and maybe I'm wrong, I'm just saying this off the cuff without remembering the entire Bible, but I don't remember. I know Jesus goes to Egypt, but I do not remember a time in the Bible that the Egyptians ever went into the promised land to try to fight the Israelites. I don't remember them going there. The, the Israelites went, was, were in Egypt, but I don't remember after this story a time of the Egyptians going into the promised land. Moses tells them, the Egyptians, you don't have to worry about them anymore. They're not going to come back this way. God's going to take care of them. God's going to take care of the Egyptians. You just stand still and you see the salvation of the Lord. And then God speaks to him and says, Moses put out that rod and as he does, the waters part and they walk across on dry land. I want to tell you today, you may feel like you're in a wilderness. You may feel like your back is against the wall but I want you to know today that with God, all things are possible and if you'll put your hope and your trust in him, if you will just hold your peace God is working in ways you cannot see and he's working to be able to do things in your life and to work out the situations in ways you cannot imagine. Amen? Right now we are in a world where there's so much on us, so much pressure and so many things and people feel anxiety from so many areas. And the anxiety of life is so high right now. Suicide rates and, 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 and all kinds of things like that are, are skyrocketing. All these things are happening around us, and it's crazy. All of the things that are, all of the anxiety and the pressures and everything that is happening in our world. 
And right now, I believe what, what our world needs more than anything is to remember that even when your back is against the wall, God is not done with you yet, and God is not finished, and He can change the situation in a moment. He can make roadways in the wilderness. He can make rivers in the desert. He can do things you cannot see, but you've got to stand still, hold your peace, and see the salvation of the Lord. Trust Him. Hold to Him. Hold only to Him, and understand that He is a solid rock, a solid foundation that we can make it through if we will just hold on to him we can make it amen but how does this work how does all this work I believe it's found in, a, in the end of Jesus message what he says in Mark there Jesus is baptized the father speaks over him he goes through the wilderness overcomes it comes out on the other side and he begins to preach and we always put this sermon with John the Baptist but Jesus begins to preach the same thing repent for the kingdom of God is at hand you see, I believe what God is calling us to, and I believe the reason the pandemic, part of the reason that this went on, and I believe what God has been calling the church to is a place of repentance. I believe God is calling the church back to a place where we are repentant before Him. I said this on Wednesday night in our devotion, but I just want to say this to you today, that whenever, the, when I've been reading through the, uh, the first books of the Bible, reading through the Bible this year, and as I've read Leviticus, it's, it's number one, Lord help. I mean, that's, that's, that's not the easiest book in the Bible to read, okay? I'm like, I get it, I get it. You're not supposed to do stuff with those people, okay? I get it, I get it. You're not supposed to touch those things. Okay, let's get on to something else, please. But, but the interesting part to me is how Aaron and the priest would approach God. They had two different outfits they wore. The normal one was just covered with all kinds of garb. I mean, they had all kinds of stones and, and plates and breastplates and all these things they wore. They had pomegranates and bells in their that were, that were sewn into their garments. I mean, they had, it was extravagant. And they would go into the presence of God, and those bells would ring, and they would know they were, in, they were still alive in there. But the Bible says on the Day of Atonement, one day a year, on the Day of Atonement, when the priest, the high priest, would go into the presence of God, he didn't wear that. He stripped down to his linens. He literally stripped down, and this is in modern, to his undergarments. He stripped down to where there was hardly nothing else between him and the Lord besides his nakedness. He stripped down to everything else. And in that moment, he would go into the presence of God, totally stripped down. What he was saying is this, I have nothing. There's no pockets in this thing. I have nothing before me and you. I am here. I am humble. I am, I am right here in this moment. That is a picture of repentance. You see, I think we have made repentance this thing we do one time to go to heaven. I repent. So I can go to heaven. I'm going to say the sinner's prayer, and I'll go to heaven one day. But listen to me, and I, I don't want to confuse you this morning. I believe you can say the sinner's prayer and be saved and going to heaven, but I don't believe repentance is just a one-time act. I believe repentance is a lifestyle. I believe repentance is a lifestyle where we live before God. Because here's what repentance is. This week I asked on social media, how, whenever you see the word repentance, what do you get? Oh, last time I checked, there was like 207 comments. A lot of comments. And it's everything from, when, when you think of repentance, some people think of shame and guilt because they were raised in churches where it was beat over them, to some people believe it's you know, turning around and changing. That's really what the definition of repentance is. It is to make a, ch a change, a U-turn. But it's not just changing your ways, it's also changing your mind. Repentance is to have a mind change. 
church. It's not just about saying, I'm doing this, I'm going to stop doing this. It's literally about your mind being transformed. The Greek word there is about your mind. That's what repentance is, that I am changing my mind. And I believe true repentance. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. In other words, if you want to participate in the life I have for you, it only happens through repentance. It only happens as you repent and open yourself up to what I want to do. Because here's what God wants for all of us. He wants surrender because he wants to be able to work in us. He wants to do in us what he wants to do. And as long as we're fighting him, he can't have his way. But when we begin to repent and say, God, I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. I am going to turn to you. And instead, I give you everything. That's what the high priest was saying. He is saying, I am coming into the presence of God. God, I have nothing. You can't see that. God, everything I've got right here, I am showing you. I am humbling myself. And I believe the lifestyle repentance is always humbling ourself and saying, God, I am wholly yours. Here I am. What do you want to do with me today? How can I love somebody today? How can I live holy for you today? How can I make a difference today? How can I minister today? We are constantly in a place of repentance. And when you live that way, listen to me, the enemy tries to do everything he can. The enemy tries to fight you, and we still have difficult times. We go through wilderness times. We have difficulties. But listen to me, if you will live a life of humility and repentance, if you'll live a life where it's not about you, but it's about him, it's about his kingdom, you know what? I want to bring heaven to to earth on a regular basis. I want to see our community be more like heaven than it is like hell. Amen. I want to see the people around me. I want to see their life reflect heaven. And how does that work? Because I live in a place of repentance and a place of humility where I say, God, it's not about me. It's about you. Repent for your kingdom is here. And in that moment, God says, now you're exactly where I want you to be. Now I can work in you in ways that you can't imagine. And now when we go through things, we say, okay, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. My back's against the wall. Would the worship team join me? God, my back's against the wall. I don't know how we're going to make it. But I know one thing. 2,000 years ago, Jesus fought the devil so that now I could have the same power that he had to fight the devil. The same Holy Spirit that descended on Jesus and stayed on him is the same Holy Ghost that you've got on the inside of you if you know Jesus. That same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So today we have no excuse. We have no excuse. Here's the thing. You may feel desperate today. Your back is against the wall. What am I going to do? When the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week and I opened up my Bible, and the scripture popped up from Exodus. And I'd highlighted it sometime back. And the Lord said, just tell him, stand still and see my salvation. Hold on. If they'll just humble themselves, live that life of humility, and just come to me and say, God, I need you more than ever. God says, I will answer in ways you can't imagine. You see, when God restores you, he doesn't just give you back what you lost. He gives you back things you never thought you could have. Because he does exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And what God wants to do in your life is bring you out so that he can restore things in your life that you never thought was possible. He wants to give you the kind of life that you never thought you could ever have. But it's not by your works, it's by the power of his spirit. But guess what? He needs you to work with him. He needs total surrender. I say this all the time, but God is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. So God needs your cooperation. 
living a life of holiness, God needs your cooperation. Walking out deliverance, God needs your cooperation. If God helps you get out of debt, don't go out and get another credit card the next week and get back in debt. If God helps you, delivers you from something, don't go out around those people that you know are going to drag you back right away. God helps us. He gives us the strength. I, I believe, honestly, He just gives us the common sense sometimes. Just walk this thing out. And today, no matter what wall you're up against, understand you can see the salvation of God. He can do it in your heart and in your life, but He's waiting on you. Would you stand to your feet? This podcast is now over. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future messages.